0: If you have your Bible, we're continuing our um, study in the letter of the Ephesians. Today we're on chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. Ephesians chapter 1, beginning in verse 15 through the end of the chapter. If you're there, would you all stand as we receive the word of God? Here's the word. above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body. The fullness of him fulfills all in all. Amen. Father, we come before you We ask for your spirit of wisdom. We ask for your spirit of revelation. For us to discern your truth. Hear your truth and receive your truth. May our hearts, the eyes of our hearts, be open to the truth. And understand. And may it really come, uh, become part of our lives. Become who we are and how we live our lives. May you bless us through your word. May the Spirit guide your servant to deliver your message, and may your people uh, be humble and obedient to the Word that you have prepared for us. Father, we thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. So, past two Sundays, uh, we were online, and during that time, we studied the first passage of chapter 1, and that would be verses 3 to 14. And in that passage, Paul praises God. Paul glorifies God for what he has done um, in this salvation that he provided for us. And in that passage, what you find, how Paul describes him, is uh, this guy, the author and perfecter of our salvation. Now, we didn't have much time in this, but if you look at that passage once again, read, read it. And study it a little more further. And what you will see is the you uh you will see the fuller image of God, fuller image. And what I mean by fuller image of God is this image of God in three persons. You can see the Trinitarian God, God in Trinity working for us, working for his own people for their salvation. Now, what you see in this passage is, first, you see God, the Father, appear, according to Paul, planning, deciding, initiating, choosing to save us before the foundation of this world. Before the time, He went to work. And then you see God, the Son, who redeemed us, sinners, through His blood on the cross. And you also see God, the the closing section of that passage, the Holy Spirit, who applied the salvation in very personal way to us. How God sealed us in His Spirit. And this is our God, the Trinity, God in three, working as the author and perfecter of our salvation. And Paul, just reminding the Ephesians, the believers, to uh, who for them to know who God is, and that is more than enough reason for us believers to praise Him and glorify Him. And He is also our source of confidence, and you see that in this passage. Now this morning, um, the following passage, what we have here in verse 15 through 23, is Paul's another prayer for the Ephesians. He is praying for the people of Ephesus. Now what are we going to focus on today. Is just the items that Paul was praying for them. What are these things that Paul was praying for them. Is the focus of our study. And simply put. If we have to just very very simplify it. Um, Paul was praying for the Ephesians. For them to know. For them to simply know. Know who God is, know Him in a deeper, uh, further, and level of sense that it becomes part of them. In verse seventeen, Paul pray that God may give Ephesians the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, the Holy Spirit who brings wisdom to the believers, Holy Spirit who brings this revelation of truth, and in particularly, specifically, he prays for the knowledge of god now what kind of knowledge of god paul was praying for them verses 18 and 19 he specifically prayed for three things for them for them to know and know well he says having the eyes of your hearts enlightened opened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you Second, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And finally, what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great mind? You see, what we have here in this passage, Paul is praying for the Ephesians to know. They already know God. They knew God. They know the gospel. They are saved. They are saints. Paul referred to them as saints, and saints are the people who are separated by God, placed in Jesus Christ. That's what the definition of saints is. But Paul prays for them to know, know more, know more, know better of God. And he lists three things that they needed to know more. The first thing is the hope, hope of God's calling. Second thing is the riches of his inheritance. In other words, the boundary, the scope of this inheritance. And finally, the power. Power that is available to the believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. He wanted them to know these things. The calling, the hope of calling, the inheritance, and the power. And these are the things not only the Ephesians need to know and know well, but these are the things that we, believers, in today's day, we must also know them well in our lives. First thing we need to know, Paul says, the hope to which God has called you, you need to know. This hope you got to know. Now, many times uh, we have many hopes and wishes in our lives. We hope for a lot of things. We hope um, for happiness. We hope for blessedness. Uh, We say, I hope I can be rich. I hope I can be comfortable. I hope I can be successful. I hope I can, um, I hope all things go well. We hope. And we hope for these things, not only for ourselves, but we hope for uh, these things for our family members, our loved ones. And as year goes by, the list of our hopes, list of our dreams seem to grow. It goes on. And on and on. Those are our hopes and wishes. But are those hopes and wishes the dreams that we had? Is that the kind of hope Paul had in mind? Is that the kind of hope that Paul wanted the Ephesians to know and know well? In the Bible, the word hope usually looks forward to the last things. The hope carries the meaning of completion of what has already begun. So, if you understand the biblical idea of hope, that is something that begun in the past, and that is something that God will bring to completion. The idea of hope carries that understanding. Now, if we combine that with calling that God has for us, and the hope of calling... Then we would have a further uh, complete idea of what this hope of calling is then what is God's calling in the previous passage in verse four this is what, why God called us He called us to be holy and blameless in Jesus Christ in His sight for us to be holy and blameless. that's our calling to be holy to be blameless in verse five, God called us to be his sons, his daughters through the work of Jesus Christ. In verse 12, God called us to be the praise of his glory. These are callings that we have in Jesus Christ. This is what he called us to be. Now, along with these hopes, along with this hope of becoming holy and blameless and becoming fully and living our lives as sons and daughters and becoming the praise of his glory. So when the people of this world and brothers and sisters in Christ sees you and what's happening in your life, they will praise the Father. That's our calling. But there is another calling along with all of these calling, And that calling, that hope of calling is for us to be where we need to be for all eternity. The hope of being in heaven. This hope of seeing God in person. When God called you, He didn't call you for your temporal temporal stay here on the earth. He called you for eternity. So this biblical idea of hope of calling, if you combine that, that will be perfection, completion of your faith, your journey in Jesus Christ. So what are we hoping for? We're hoping to be in his presence, God's presence. What we are hoping as we live here on earth is to be in his presence, becoming, being made like the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul wants the believers to know this hope and have this hope. Because once you understand what we need to hope for, we also understand at the same time what we must live for if that's what you are hoping for and hoping to be, that's where you are going, everything else becomes blur. Here, what we are fixated upon becomes less important, less dire, with a greater focus, with down the road, the goal that we must have. This hope transforms us. This hope that we have in God's calling, placing us in Jesus Christ for us to go where we need to go, changes and transforms us how we look at the world, how we live for uh, how we uh, what we live for. As Christians, I want to ask, do you know your worth? As Christians, do you really know your worth? What's your worth? Is your worth more than the house you own. What is your worth? Is your worth over a million, two million? What would somebody pay for your life, for your worth? What is your worth? How do you determine your worth? Is your worth determined in worldly sense? The world will determine your worth by your, maybe, your past your background. The world will determine your worth by seeing where you are from and how you are raised. The world will determine your worth by looking at your success, what you have accomplished, what kind of job you currently have, how much you know, how much you have. That might determine your worth here on earth. Your worth may be determined by other people in this world how you are loved and care for people around you, these, every other person in your life, how they love you, how they care for you may determine your worth. In this world, sometimes you determine your worth. You try to determine your worth by setting these lofty, high, perfect standard and each and every day you measure yourself against that. And oftentimes what happens is that in not increasing your value or your worth, you're setting yourself up for depression and robbing the joy out of your life. Once again, do you know your worth as Christians? What is your worth? I tell you nothing and no one in this world can determine your true worth. Because after all, we're all sinners in need of saving, in need of His grace. Our worth, rather, is determined by our hope, the hope that we have, where we are going, whom we belong to. Where are you going? Where are we going? Are we going somewhere? Are we going home to the Father in heaven? Is that our goal? and final destination. Are we going to see our Father and to be in His presence for all eternity? Is that truly what we are hoping for? To be uh, like in the likeness of our Lord Jesus Christ in every way. I tell you, your hope in Jesus Christ, your hope of your calling, determines your worth. Because I tell you, I don't want to know Oftentimes, in building relationship, I gotta know who you are and where you're from. But really, with a greater eternal perspective, I don't have to know. I don't want to know what you have and how much you have. I don't really want to know where you're from, where you're, uh, what you're about. These are not important. But what I want to know about you is your hope, the hope that you have with that hope, how you live your life. I want to know where you are going with eternity in mind. And therefore, what you do here on earth with that in mind. That I want to know. Do you long to be in God's presence? It is just a cliche that we say. Do you really know and have this hope for eternity? And Bible calls such hope A living hope. A blessed hope. The hope which is certain. True. And it will come true. Paul says, Ephesians, I pray for you. For you to know this hope. Because if you have this hope, it changes how you carry yourself. How you live your life. This hope changes. The worth of your life. Is not dictated and determined by the world, but by where you're going. Secondly, Paul prays for the Ephesians to know the riches of glorious inheritance. Now, focus on this second point is not just to know that they have inheritance, but what Paul wants them to know is the riches, how rich. The inheritance is the boundary, the scope of this inheritance we have in Jesus Christ. As we know, the people of Israel received their inheritance. Their inheritance was the land, the promised land we call it. And they waited a long time and their slavery in Egypt and wilderness, they endured so much to receive their inheritance, but in the end, they have received it. They enter into the promised land. And... In there, they have witnessed, they have tasted, they have experienced the riches, the scope of their inheritance. Likewise, we have received our inheritance, and we did in Jesus Christ. What are some of these inheritance that we already received? Because oftentimes we don't realize what we already have received in Jesus Christ, these inheritance. What is at our disposal? And therefore, because we don't know and fully appreciate it, we don't utilize the blessings that we have. We were given. For instance, prayer. You have inheritance. You have this blessing to speak directly to the God of God the Lord of Lords, the Creator, the Sovereign God who is in perfect control and you can speak and bring your anxious thoughts and your problems to God and He will bring peace to you, guard you, and grant you that your heart's desire. You have that prayer. You have the Word. And we have the privilege to read His direct revelation to us by studying, by meditating. We know His will for us how to be blessed. We have brothers and sisters, we have church, that is God's gift to us. Brothers and sisters, people doing life together to fulfill the Lord, the head, our head, and his will in our lives. These are some of the spiritual inheritance that is already available for us. Yet the most important, most glorious inheritance we have is the truth that we Have and know in Jesus Christ. The truth that we are God's possession. That is our glorious inheritance. We are his people. Purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. And for all eternity we are his. Paul is saying to the Ephesians. Do you really know who you are? Do you know this inheritance? Do you believe? Because you are not just anybody. You are God's glorious inheritance. And therefore, you receive everything what Jesus Christ, the Son of God, receives, you receive as well. You have received the gift of life through God, through His Son, and in the Holy Spirit. And you did nothing to earn it and deserve it. And this is what Paul wanted the believers to know. The fact, the truth, that you are God's possession. You are His Son his daughter for all eternity. And if you know this, if you truly know this, he's speaking once again, know this to the saints, to the believers. Do you know this glorious inheritance that you are God's children, you are God's possession, you are his people? Because if you know this, it changes you. If you know this, it strengthens you. It puts you, into the right place. Folks, you are, more than you know, precious to God. You are His most prized possession. You are valuable to God. How do we know? Because you are worth saving. You know, uh, there are a lot of things, if you're into um, antique stuff, um, Probably you guys watch pawn shop thing, the sitcoms and things. And nowadays we talked about your uh, used car value and things of that. Do you know how do you how you determine the worth, the value of certain item that you have, or that you are trying to acquire? There's two ways for you to determine the value of certain item. Number one. You know the value of a certain item by knowing how much someone is willing to pay for that item. By that, you know the worth of that item. By how much someone is willing to buy, And sometimes the worth, the value of an item is determined by whose it was. Who owned it previously. What kind of history it has. Who wore it, who drove it, who had it increases the value now that Tom Brady's retired. Can you imagine some of the things, the memorabilia, and some of the things that people receive? It's going to go exponentially expensive. What did God pay to possess you, to own you, to have you? That's your worth. That's your value. Your value is determined by who owns you, who possesses you. You are precious to God. You are valuable to God. You are so worth saving from God's perspective. Therefore, you should have this understanding. You should know the scope of this inheritance. You are God's special chosen people right here, right now. That Paul wanted the Ephesians to know. Finally, we must know his incomparable, immeasurable great power that we already possess. Now, what is this great power? Paul explains it in verse 19 and 20. He says, What is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ, when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. Now, what is this power that Paul wanted the Ephesians to know? Paul says, this is the power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. This is the power that that seated him above everything, above all rule, authority, and power, and dominion. This is the power that made his name above every name. Paul simply not only wanted the Ephesians to know about this great power, but wanted them to know that they have it. That they have it. This power is at, in their disposal for them to use. So if you are saved in Jesus Christ, all the blessing, all the grace, all the mercy that you have received, along with that, you receive this power in Jesus Christ. The power that raised him, that power that seated him in the heavenly places is available for all who believe in the name of Jesus Christ. So someone asked me, If someone asked me, Pastor, I don't think I have much power as a Christian. I don't think I am that powerful. I'm not strong. I give in. I cave in. And I whatever I determine to do, I don't last a week. I don't think I'm powerful. I don't have that strength. What would I say? Would I tell that person, hey, you need to pray for more power. You need to ask the Spirit to give you more strength. I know what Paul would say. Paul said to the Ephesians, he didn't ask them to pray for more power, more strength. But what he prayed for was for them to know that the power that raised Jesus Christ is in them for theirs to use. He didn't ask for more power because he didn't have to. Instead, Paul prayed for the Ephesians to have this divine awareness, to know and understand the power that they have possessed. And this is what Paul asked in the earlier portion of this passage, for the spirit of wisdom and revelation to give into to each believer for them to understand with this wisdom and knowledge they would know that they have this power in jesus christ paul pray for the eyes of their hearts to be open so that they would know you know these biblical truths that we study we read about if it becomes a piece of information and that does not do anything in your heart that does not transform and change how you conduct yourself it is just a knowledge but until our eyes of our hearts open, when we, by the help of the Spirit, realize this wisdom and knowledge, it becomes ours. This power that we possess is ours to you. Paul said that in Romans 1.16. The gospel is the power of God for salvation. This gospel is power of God that saves you then, saves you now, and continue to save you and perfect and complete your faith. It's the power of God. To the Thessalonians, our gospel, Paul says, came to you not with simple words, but it came with power, with the Holy Spirit, with deep conviction. Paul prayed for his dear friends in Ephesus, for them to know, know that they have power that is given to them already in Jesus Christ. You already got the power. You are powerful. The power that raised Jesus Christ, seated him on high, and separated him from everything else is at your disposal for you to use as you live your life here on earth. And that simple truth must change us, strengthen us, realign us. How we carry ourselves in this world, how we live our lives, how we approach circumstances, And how we can remain calm, at peace, in joy. It's like you have that power of God at your disposal. Having God next to you at all times. There's nothing to fear. Because we know you have that power. Paul, pray for the believers. For them to know. Know this. Really, really know this. Know that you have this hope of calling. Know that you are going home. And that is your home. This is not your home. And that changes how you live your life. Know your worth. Know your value because you are his chosen people. That is your inheritance. The most important truth. How you are entitled to receive everything that is Available and Jesus Christ received. Is yours because you are his children. Know that. Know the power you have. This incomparable, immeasurable, great power. That brought Jesus back to life. These are the things. That we need to know. Each and every day. If we really know. And if we really remind ourselves. Can you imagine what we can do, what you can do, what our church can do when we are fully aware of this hope, this inheritance, this power that we have? It's important. And this is truly why we read the Bible and gather together and study more. Because if you know where you're going, if you know who you are, if you know the strength and power you have, that really put you in the right place and operate properly. And that's what Paul prayed for the Ephesians. And that, I pray for myself, pray for my family, pray for you, for you to know daily. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the truth. Thank you for who we are. For we are not just a people that confessed and professed our um, faith and hope and trust in Jesus Christ. We're not just a people that identify with God on just Sunday morning or occasionally during the week. We are the people who are fully aware each and every day. We are fully in understanding of who we are and what we have and where we're going. Lord, would you help us to live and act accordingly as we know. Lord, I, as Paul prayed for the Ephesians, I pray for my people, your people, to have the spirit of wisdom and revelation to the true knowledge of who God is and therefore who they are each and every day when they open their hearts against your word, may they know, may their eyes of their hearts be open and enlightened to your truth so that the circumstances, so that whatever is happening before our eyes, what the world throws at us does not change, does not determine who we are or our worth or value. But fully understanding what God has done in Jesus Christ, how He sealed us in the Holy Spirit. In that truth, we rejoice. We build our faith in our lives. Let that be our foundation. And we live accordingly. Not a timid life and discouraged easily, but with conviction and faith, the trust, the God who did not spare his son, the God who brought us with grace upon grace to this point of our lives will continue to lead us until he completes our faith, our salvation. For you are the author. You are the perfecter of our salvation. So Father, I thank you for this knowledge. And may this knowledge not stay up in our head in a something that we gather as an information, but the truth, life-altering, life-transforming truth by knowing where we're going, knowing who we are, knowing the power that we have. Father, we pray that as we go from this place on, Lord, to back uh, to our home to our workplace, to our school, wherever we go, Lord. Help us to live up to the calling that you have placed. Protect us and guide us. Lead us, Lord. Keep us safe from evil things. May we be the blessing and praise of glorious Father that we have. We thank you so much, Lord. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.